Welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of the Park Drive Podcast. We're starting a whole new topical series. What's it about, Stuart? Well, the the idea, well, I guess the, the title of it is called The Bible Doesn't Say That. And the idea behind it is there's all these uh, things that people attribute to the Bible, these sayings or or thoughts that people think are in the Bible, but the Bible doesn't actually say it's those not exactly. Things. Yeah, it's yeah. not in there at all. Like, for instance, like cleanliness is next to godliness. I mean, you always hear that, and 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 that's not ever in there. Um, another one is, uh, you know, the the snake gave Adam and Eve the apple to eat, and anytime you ever think of what Adam and Eve in the garden, it's always pictured or illustrated as an apple. Right. But yet there's no apple in the story and there's not a snake in the story either. It says serpent and it says fruit. And so it's little things like that that yeah. um, people talk about all the time. And, and a, a, another one is, uh, you know, God isn't going to give you anything that you can't handle. Or, right. or maybe it's phrased a different way. God won't give you anything that you can't bear right more than you can bear that's right right. more than you can bear yeah well let's let's go we're gonna talk about that today right yep that's it okay that's it well so so i don't know why people think that but i think i think people generally so here's a here's a scenario for you where i think it it sort of comes so uh, imagine that you're having a bad day right um imagine maybe that you've lost your job or imagine that um, your girlfriend or your boyfriend has broken up with you and imagine that you come home and you open your refrigerator and you've got no food or maybe you go to your front door and there's an eviction notice. And, and so a friend, probably a well-meaning Christian, walks up to you and says, well, I know you're having a terrible day. I know you're getting thrown out of your apartment. Your boyfriend or girlfriend broke up with you. You just lost your job. But here's good news. God won't give you more God than you can bear. God won't give you more than you can bear. Right. right? That, so, that's that's so, you generally know, where it comes. That's probably as bad as it'll get, in other words, is what they're trying to say. Exactly. Exactly. And what, it, and what that signals generally to the person who receives that uh, information is... Really? Because it feels like God's giving me way more <laughs> than I pretty can bad. right now, yeah. right? And I don't like this. Exactly. And so, um, again, the idea that, that 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 terminology or that phrase is in the Bible is a misnomer. It's it's not true. It's not in there. That, that phrase is nowhere in the Bible. Nowhere does it actually say that God is never going to give you more than you can bear. So, well, take us into some scripture. Let's kind of dig into this a little bit. Okay. So the I, I think that that phrase, God is not going to give you more than you can bear, actually comes from a letter that Paul wrote the Corinthian church. In fact, it comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. So I actually have that for you, and I'll actually pick up in verse 12. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 through 13. And so this is from the New Living Translation. So this this is Paul's words. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And this is where we kind of get into it. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. The temptation. The temptation. And when you are tempted... He will show you a way out so that you can endure. So 
nowhere does uh, Paul say that God's not going to give you in, more than you can bear. Right. He's specifically addressing the issue of temptation. And that uh, and as and as Christians, we know, I mean, Jesus tells us as much, that God is not a tempter. God does not create temptation for us. Uh, temptation comes from the fall, for one thing. It's a, it's a, it's a direct result of our sin. Um, we also know that uh, Satan and his demonic forces certainly are working overtime to tempt us into sin because the more we sin, the further we get away from God. So uh, what Paul here is telling us is that as strong as temptation can be and as smart as Satan and his evil forces are, God is stronger and that God is going to provide us the strength that we need to overcome temptation, and he's also going to give us opportunities to flee from temptation. But again, nowhere does it actually say— It's not talking about your problems. It's not talking about your problems. In fact, there's a lot of characters in the Bible who, you know, you you might even say God gave them more than they could bear. So— if you ever hear that advice, well, God's not going to give me more than they can bear. Well, there's plenty of characters, actually, that, that do. Here's, a, here's just a few. So let, let's think about Job. All right, so what do you know about Job? He lost it all. Like all meaning what? His, his family, his yeah. possessions. Yeah, everything. His right? health. Yeah, going all the way to his health. Um, the only thing that he was left was a cantankerous wife and three lousy friends. Okay, that's basically all he had. But yeah, uh, you know, tragedy struck Job. Job loses everything, his children, his wealth, his livestock, his crops. Um, you know, e- even the, the relationship that he had with his wife and friends, all gone, right? Now, to me, that's way more than anybody could right. possibly bear. Then, then you come to David, and I think we're all very familiar with David. And, and you know, eventually David sinned with Bathsheba. You know, we all know the story there. You know, it finally catches up with him. And when he's confronted by Nathan and when he uh, comes to this realization that he's, he's uh, broken God's law, he feels overwhelmed, he's overcome with grief. So listen to some of the terminology that he uses here in, in Psalm 38. This is verses uh, 4 and 8, again, from the New Living Translation. So he starts out this way. My guilt overwhelms me. I mean, does that not sound like a guy that's... He's, he's, yeah, he's having a hard time. Overwhelmed, right? My guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and stink because of my foolish sins. Verse 6, I am bent over and racked with pain. All day long, I walk around filled with grief. A raging fever burns within me. And my health is broken. I'm exa- Listen to this. This is verse 8 of Psalm 38. I am exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. Not much left. Yeah, I mean, that's a guy that's at the end <laughs> of his rope, man. I mean, that's clearly a guy who feels like he is bearing a burden too heavy for him to, to bear. And then what about Moses? I mean, we, we know the story of Moses. Moses uh, is uh, the, the leader of the, you know, the Israelites out of Egypt, but, but when God... Well, he actually tells God, I can't do this. Perfect, yeah. So, I mean, he, he tells God, 
I'm not a great leader. Uh, who am I to lead? Why these are you people? asking me right. to do this? You know, you've called me to to too great of a responsibility. Um, who am I to lead these people? I'm not a good speaker, uh, and, and and yet you know Moses is called. Then there's Peter. Peter denied Christ. He is overcome with sorrow. I think the scripture actually says after he betrayed Jesus, he went away and wept bitterly for what he had done. And then of course Jesus. I mean Jesus is a is another. You know we sometimes we forget about the humanity of Christ. But the the night before Jesus died, and you know the story, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and yeah. he's just uh, overwhelmed with anxiety. Sweating drops of blood. There you go, yeah, sweating drops of blood. I mean, I don't think that, that anybody listening to this podcast has ever been so overwhelmed that they, you know, their capillaries burst with, with blood. So... You know, Jesus, uh, you know, is, is one of our ultimate examples. And, and I'll get to Paul here in a second, but Paul obviously, too, you know, is a man who clearly dealt with just the overwhelming nature that life, you know, can uh, can be for everybody. Yeah. The regrets are just overwhelming. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, tell me, I mean, one of the things I think this brings up for all of us is why do we suffer at all? Yeah, I think... That's a really good question. I think that we've been wrestling with that question for a long time. And I, I think it um, the answer is going to change depending on who you follow, right? So if you're a non-believer, let's say you're listening to this podcast, and, and maybe that's one of the reasons that has, has kept you from Christianity or has kept you from God, because you ask these questions like, well, if God is so good, then why would he allow people to suffer? right? So if you're outside of the faith, if you're outside of the faith, suffering doesn't make sense. Right. And that's just the truth. Um, If you're outside of Christianity, if you have no relationship with Christ, and yet you look at the, if you look at faith and if you look at God in terms of I'm outside of it, but I'm looking in an, an omniscient omnipotent God that allows people to suffer doesn't make sense. No. And um, and it makes even less sense, right, if you're outside, that not only does he allow people who are not his followers to suffer, but he allows his own followers to suffer. Why in the world would I want to follow a God or acknowledge his existence not only is he going to let these people who don't even believe in him suffer, but he's letting people that do believe in him suffer. That just doesn't make any... And says it's a blessing. Exactly. You know, if God is so loving, you know, why did he allow Job to go through these things? Why did he allow Moses? You know, why in the world did he pick Moses? Why Why didn't he just comfort Peter? Um, mature Christians who know the Bible and read the Bible and pray, understand that God always has a plan for suffering. God never wastes a drop of pain for the believer. There's always a purpose for it. And so I, I really think that ultimately, you know, one of the reasons that God allows us to be overcome, why he allows us to suffer, is so that we can depend on his presence being with us. You know, um, when we come to the end of ourselves, that's really when we finally come to God. 
You know, when we quit leaning in our own understanding and our own strength and depending on on ourselves, we finally come to the place where we need something greater, something bigger, something bolder. You know, I think about Jonah. Jonah uh, was a prophet in the Old Testament, and he was called to go to a city uh, called Nineveh, if you're not familiar with the story. And Nineveh was exceedingly sinful. Um, they uh, did terrible, awful, horrible things. And so God calls Jonah to go there and uh, to preach repentance and to turn the people back to himself. And Jonah says, no, no way. I'm not going to do it. You can forget it. And so he runs from God as if you could really run from God's presence. Just because he didn't feel like they deserved it. Exactly. And so, you know, the rest of the story, you know, eventually he gets on a ship. There's a massive storm. The sailors are thinking, why, you know, what is going on? We've angered the gods. And Jonah says, well, the only way to truly save yourself is for you to throw me over and the storm will calm and everything will be back to normal. And uh, so they do. And Jonah, is, and this is another statement that's not in the Bible. People say, well, Jonah was swallowed by a whale. It doesn't say that he was swallowed by a whale. It said he was swallowed by a great fish. fish. And so Jonah is swallowed by this fish. And it's in this moment of digestion, truly, he's being digested in, in the belly of this fish that he finally comes to a place of understanding that his suffering and that his disobedience and this issue that he's going through, it, it means that he has to be more dependent on God's, uh, God's presence in his life. So in Jonah 2, verses 1 and 2, this is from the ESV, the English Standard Version, Jonah says this, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. So, I mean, it doesn't get any worse, right, than, than where he is. He says he prayed for, to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress. So it doesn't say that, that Jonah called out to God from his well-being. Right. It doesn't say that he called out to God from all of his success from his stock portfolio, you know, overflowing in his wealth. It says that he called out to God in his distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. So one of the reasons that God allows us to suffer is so that we will turn to him. Yeah, come to the end of ourselves. Yeah. There's a great book by Kyle Eidelman. Uh, oh, yeah. It's called The End of Me. Yes. And, uh, it's a great read if you want to yeah. dig into this a little more. Right. And, and uh, you know, as a pastor, I've dealt with people before who, who make deals with God and they're suffering, right? And people say, that's terrible. And I'm like, no, that's great. Uh, because if God can use your suffering to turn your eyes to Him, that's, right. that, that's a good thing, not a bad thing. So, um, Well, you know, we talked about uh, Paul briefly before yeah. and, and these people talking about their suffering. I mean, he... He begged for God to, yeah. to take his suffering away, you know, yeah. so let's talk about that a little bit. Well, I think there's a host of reasons why God allows us to be overcome by this world, but um, I think another reason that God allows us to be to be overwhelmed by suffering and, and hardship is so that he can display his power in our, in our moments of weakness, right? 
And so in, in 2 Corinthians, right, we started out today with, with 1 Corinthians, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is sort of giving his resume, and he's talking about the, the things that he had done before he met Christ. And he says that in order to keep himself from becoming boastful, God allows, allowed him to experience a very significant disability. And Paul even calls it a thorn in his flesh. And you, we probably use that terminology, oh, I've got a thorn in my flesh. We, yeah. don't, we don't know what it was, but it was a terrible, terrible disability. There are some scholars that believe that Paul had some form of epilepsy, um, some form of seizures, and that it would attack him, you know, sort of randomly. But, but so debilitating were was this thorn in Paul's flesh that he did a couple of things. One, he said that it was a messenger, uh, it was a, a, a tormenting messenger that had been delivered to him by Satan, right? So, I mean, this is bad. It, it's painful. It hurts. It's, it's a disabling type of malady that he's struggling with, right. okay? And so that's one thing. So how many people have we ever known that have struggled with cancer, you know, with losing a limb or, you know, some type, uh, you know, I, I had uh, a friend who had a, a, a disease from a blood disorder, you know. So, you know, we've known people as ministers, we've been doing this collectively between the two of us probably combined over 40 years. Sure. Okay. Easy. So we've known a lot of people that have suffered and, and Paul would certainly be in that. Um, but Paul does something interesting. The scripture tells us that he prayed three times, three times he cried out to God, please take this disability from me. And every single time Paul prayed, the Lord didn't answer the request the way he thought that he would. So in second Corinthians 12, I'll just read it for you. Um, verses seven and nine, he says, so this is Paul speaking. So uh, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited or boastful. Verse 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this and that it, that it would leave me. But he said to me, and this is the big point here, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You know, Chris, to me, some of the most inspiring people that I've ever met have been people that suffer the most because they have used their suffering as a billboard for God's grace. And to me, again, you know, God doesn't waste our pain. He doesn't waste our suffering. He uses every drop of it if we will let him. If we will let him. That's the key. Yeah. And, and if we will let God use our suffering, the, the people that we can lead to Christ is absolutely amazing, you know. Um, but sadly, a lot of times we just won't let him use it the mm -hmm. way that he really wants to. So today, if you're listening to this and you're suffering and you're going through a hard time and, and maybe you've got a physical disability um, that, that you're battling, I just want to encourage you because 
God is going to use you if you let him. If you yeah, allow pray, God, pray yeah. for God to show you That's how right. He wants to use well, you. Well, and, and do what that. Paul did, right? Pray, yeah. God, you know, pr- uh, uh, Paul prayed multiple times, and no, God didn't answer Paul the way that he thought that he would or he hoped he would, but he gave him a better answer because he received the grace of God. Yeah. And, and there's something. See, a lot of times, Chris, people think that healing is always the greatest. You know, we always think healing is always the end result. There are greater things than healing, and there are worse things than death. And to me, having the grace of God be bestowed upon you is better than some type of physical healing because all of our bodies are eventually going to break down and and die and decompose. Well, we tend to forget what he's done. Right. I mean, we might talk about it and reflect on it for a little while, but then we're over that and moving on to the next thing. Exactly. Exactly. So I think God allows us so that we can depend on his presence. I think God allows us to suffer so that his power can be seen in our moments of weakness. But I also think God allows us to suffer so that he can develop us. Yeah, make us stronger. Yeah, so that he can grow us. And it's that illustration of the seed, right? I I remember this illustration that um, if you were to plant a seed that that seed has to struggle to get out. And Actually it, die before it can... Exactly. Yeah. And if you were to, to cut the shell of any seed so that that sprout can can easily make its way up. You're actually doing damage, and the sprout will never take hold and take root because mm-hmm. it's in that struggle that that sprout, whether it's a tree or a bush or anything, it's in that struggle of growth that uh, that seed will finally take root and, and, and burrow down its roots to a place where it can receive nourishment and water. Caterpillar to butterfly. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, numerous examples, right? I mean, God is trying to grow something in all of us. That, that's why, you know, um, in life, you're not going to make every team. There's going to be times, like if you're a young person today and you're listening to this and maybe you got cut from the team. You know, I, my middle son, Jack, uh, he was cut from a team, you know, a couple years ago and he was devastated. He was just devastated because he, he was just brokenhearted over it. But I told him then that, that God had a plan, and, and if we trust God's plan, his plan is going to be better than your plan. Always. Always, right? And so, you know, God used that disappointment in his youthfulness to direct him down a different path that he wasn't even planning on going. You've probably got some similar stories. You've got three oh, kids. absolutely. And, and you've seen your kids struggle. You've seen your kids get disappointed. And as a parent, we have to fight against trying we to do. fix everything. We do. We right? want to fix it. But yeah. sometimes if we just back away and we're able to see God work, it helps us the next time That's right. to be like, you know what? Just just wait for it. Right. And again, I think as parents, and chances are if you're listening to this, maybe you are a parent. And I just want to advise you as a, as a, as a father myself of a 17-year-old kid and of a 13-year-old kid and as a data of an almost 11-year-old kid, it is okay for your kids to struggle. Absolutely. And it is okay for them to be disappointed. And it is okay for them to make a bad grade. And it is okay um, for, for them to be told no. Some of the greatest lessons that a kid can learn. And, so, 
And, and frankly, some of the greatest lessons there that some adults still need to learn is the value of disappointment and the value of being told no, because it's in that disappointment that God will grow something. Maybe it's, maybe he's trying to develop patience in you. Um, maybe he's trying to, to grow a heart for people who are hurting in you. But the only way you can grow that heart is for you to be hurt yourself, you know? So, you know, you think about Jesus, right? Jesus was always a great teacher. I, I want to read this to you because I think this is really cool. In Luke chapter 8, there's a great story about Jesus, and he gets on a, a boat with his disciples, and they're rowing out into the middle of the sea, and a giant storm comes upon them. You're smiling because you know the story. So in verse, excuse me, in chapter 8 of Luke, it says, One day he got into the boat with his disciples. So notice Jesus was in the boat with them. He said, let us go across the other side of the lake. And so they set out, and they sailed, and they sailed, and they sailed the, and he, as he sailed, excuse me, they, they, he fell asleep, Jesus did. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water. The boat was filling up with water, and they were in danger. And they went down, and they woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are dying. And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they see. So, I mean, here you've got these disciples, and I doubt any, I doubt none of them were saying, but guys, God's <laughs> not going to give us more than we can bear. No, they were, they were all overcome thinking they were all going to die. And Jesus says in verse 25, he says, where is your faith? They were afraid and they marveled saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even the winds and the waters and they obey him? They know who he was. It's a rhetorical question that they're asking. The, the rhetorical question was, who is this? It's Jesus. It's God. And, and in that moment of being overwhelmed and in that moment of thinking they were going to die and in that moment of suffering, their faith was grown. Yeah, they were reminded how great he is. Exactly, exactly. And so that really, to me, is the most encouraging thing. So the answer is this. Will God give you more than you can bear? Yes. And in many times, that's the point. Well, what are we going to do with it? Exactly. Exactly. You know, we need to use it. God is giving us more than we can bear to develop us, to teach us, to grow us, to be a billboard for his mercy and for his grace. And I think you really hit it, you know— if you are going through, if you are going through a difficulty in your life, if you are suffering, I think really ultimately as a pastor, you can just giving people some pastoral advice. I think you can do a couple of things. One, I think you can talk about it. Find someone that you can share that burden with, because when you share that burden, that burden doesn't belong to you anymore. It stops becoming your burden, and it becomes our burden. Right. If it's your husband, if it's your wife, find somebody to talk to. If it's a pastor, come and speak to me. I know you're available. We're, we're here to help. We want to pray for you. So find someone to talk to, and then, of course, that is my second one. And, you know, to me, I'll ask you a question since, since we're doing this together. Why do you think, Chris, that it is valuable to pray in times of crisis and in times of trouble and times of suffering. 
Why, why do you think that that's important? Well, I think it's important because you're able to, to voice your concerns out loud to, to the Lord and know that, that he yeah. is there listening. And even if you don't get an audible response to your question or your concern, you can know that you've given it to him mm-hmm. and you can trust that, that God does care and, right. and he will show you the answers that you need to, to know moving forward in that situation. But I think just voicing it outside out loud sometimes yeah. makes such a huge difference. Yeah. And just keep it all in. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, maybe maybe you have a good cry in the midst of that, just crying out to the Lord, God, I can't do this. Yeah. I don't know what to do with this. Help me to to get through the day. Right. And and just voicing that and working through that sometimes can help you immensely. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I, and another thing too, man, I'm, there, there's tremendous value in knowing Scripture too, right? Absolutely. Repeating that Scripture and, and you know, calling right. upon those verses that are in your heart that you've learned. And, and sometimes it's just, it's words on a page and then all of a sudden it's real and it's like, well, God, you said this. That's right. That's right. So... You know, the, the, there's nothing more unifying than human suffering. You know, that's something that we can all identify with. Have you ever noticed, like, you know, somebody who's gone to Hawaii and they say, well, here's all my pictures of Hawaii. And you're like, you know, okay, <laughs> dude, whatever. I mean, this is great, nice pictures of Hawaii. But have you ever noticed, like, somebody that comes to you and says, man, um, you know, I broke my arm the other day. And you're like, Hey, I broke my arm. I know what that feels like. I mean, has that ever happened to you? Sure. Like there's not, there's something bonding about suffering that that brings us all together. And I think talking about it, whether it is to the Lord and certainly God understands suffering, his son died on a cross. So he understands physical suffering. He He understands spiritual suffering. I mean, every type of suffering that you can imagine, Jesus understands it. Um, you know, but but talking about it and sharing it is just so so important. Um, I'll close with this if you don't mind. I'll I'll sure. end with this. So the other day I went and um, did communion. Um, I performed communion for a, a, a family. Uh, I'll just share their name because I don't think that they mind. But uh, Virgil and Barbara Gray, and their their daughter uh, was there with them. Her name's Christy. Just a precious family, very, very sweet. Virgil, sadly, was is in the hospital, so he wasn't there. Um, but Barbara was Barbara was there, and Christy was there. Um, Christy has a disability. It, um, it's very difficult for for Christy to walk. Um, Barbara is suffering from some type of pulmonary issue, and every time she would get up to walk around, she would collapse into her chair, just you know, just breathing really, you know, heavily, and. Um, as I was doing, performing the ceremony for the communion, you know, I held a little piece of bread in my hand and I was talking about the brokenness of Jesus's body. And I said that Jesus understands what it's like to have a body that doesn't work. And if you remember, as Jesus is carrying the beam of wood on his back through the streets of Jerusalem, there's a part of the story in the Gospel of Luke where he collapses, right? His right. body gives out on Nothing him. left. Yeah, and he's spent. He's literally overwhelmed. God has given him more than he can bear physically. And his legs aren't working. You know, you can imagine that moment, his labored breathing. You know, he's got tremendous blood loss. And so as I was holding, you know, doing this communion for Barbara and Christy, 
all three of us kind of had this realization, you know, Christy is dealing with a problem where her legs don't work. She can't walk. And she has this epiphany, hey, Jesus know what that, he knows what that's like. His legs didn't work either. On the way to the cross, he couldn't walk just like me. And then Barbara said, well, I, I know Jesus knows what it's like me going through what I'm going through right now. I, I have labored breathing. He had labored breathing as he hung on the cross. He couldn't breathe. You know, I mean, scientists, theologians believe him. He died of asphyxiation. He literally died right. because he couldn't, couldn't catch his breath. Yeah. Anymore. So isn't it an awesome thing to know that whatever it is you're suffering with today, whether it's something physical, mental, I mean, Jesus suffered, like we said, in the garden. He suffered mentally. It was mental anguish that he was dealing with that triggered a physical response. It doesn't matter what you're going through. Whatever it is, Jesus has experienced it, and he has overcome it. And so the last verse that I'll carry with you to, or, or share with you today comes from John 16, 33. It's a verse that I use. It's a verse that I've memorized and it's a verse that I use, especially in, in times of trouble. I use it a lot during funeral services. But Jesus gives us a guarantee. He gives us a promise. And he says, you know, he's speaking to his disciples. And he says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. And in this world, you're going to have trials and tribulations. It's a guarantee. It's a promise. You know, one day hardship is going to knock on your door. But take heart because I have overcome the world. You know, we're all going to be overcome at some point. We'll be overcome by death. But the good news is, is that Jesus has even overcome that. And because he's overcome death, we can have hope in the midst of our suffering and trials. So it's a good word, man. Yeah, yeah. Great uh, talk about this topic that is definitely... uh, misunderstood no doubt no doubt i'm looking forward to it i think um in the in the coming weeks i think you're going to be interviewing uh bryant yes isn't that right yes and so i'm going to be talking about money oh yeah that's right uh what what is his money is the The money is the root of all all evil evil. yeah and that's it's the love of money is the root of all evil that'll be a very interesting one actually I'm, i'm looking forward to that so yeah bryant our missions pastor and facilities manager he'll be here for that and then um, I'll be the interviewer for Josh and Leanne. And and hopefully if Bill can get back, Bill, yeah. be in prayer for Bill, by the way, if you're listening to this. He's on a, a sabbatical for health reasons, so he, he's going to take about a month off. Maybe we can get him back for that. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, we should be able to. Before we end the, the, the season, we'll be able to get him back. Right. Surely. So before we go, can do you um, do you want to give just a little brief announcement about anything with uh, Easter and Resurrection Sunday? Well, do you want to share some of those dates? We've do you got, have those? Uh, let me pull up the calendar here. We we do have several things coming up. Yeah. Um, let's go into, we're into April. Yeah. Uh, the family Easter celebration is on the 5th. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, on the 6th, the Maundy Thursday luncheon. Yep. And then the 7th, uh, 6 o'clock, we've got our Good Friday service that evening. Yeah, that's going to be at 6, right? Right. Yep. And then uh, we want everybody to come join us for Easter Sunday at our regular time. Yeah. Be it, a great service. We'll have the, the choir and uh, yeah. have an orchestra and the youth and the children. It's yeah. going to be a great celebration of the and, resurrection. Uh, and starting, uh, and, and if uh, 
make sure you check in the foyers and lobbies because we'll, we have a, a, a big card that you can give yeah, out to invitation. friends. Invitation. An invitation. Thank you. That would be yeah. the right word. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you can give out an invitation to your friends, neighbors, coworkers, family. Uh, wouldn't it be amazing to have that sanctuary filled up on Easter? Oh, it would be Woo, a great day. Boy, that'd be awesome. Well, Chris, thanks, man. Well, yeah, thanks fun. for, for – uh... Here we are, season two. Season two, episode one. Very cool. Uh, Thanks for joining us for the Park Drive podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody.